We need to get back to where evidence matter, facts matter, and reliable data is the source of that fact and evidence, and it must start somewhere. So why not in one of our most influential part of our society, where we spend at least eight hours a day working, and who is better to drive that transformation than all of you listening? I have interviewed a dozen of experts within the field of people analytics to inspire you and share their know-how about how you can extract and use important people data in your decision making. Today uh, I have Mark with me here from Nokia. Uh, Mark, it's lovely to have you on the podcast, uh, MPA podcast. So let's start with this. Let's talk about a little bit about you and what you have achieved and what actually brought you to this field. Um, thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm uh, very honored to, to, to share the microphone with you. Um, what brought me here in the field, the field of people analytics? I was actually, uh, I was technically tricked. So I was hired. Uh, so I was hired to strategic resourcing. Maybe um, I think this was eleven, twelve years ago, um, by a guy who's uh, a guy called Mika Vitamin, who's an awesome, just an awesome guy in Finland. Um, and when I applied for the job in strategic resourcing and did the first set of interviews, I was basically under the impression that I was applying for a finance job, because before Nokia, I'd actually worked in industry research and investments. Um, and I thought that it was that kind of uh, stats, new, new numbers, data, which was basically the whole point of the interview. Um, and it was only until like day one when I started at Nokia that I found out that uh, I was actually going to be a part of HR. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good story, though. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, yeah, it was a really weird one. Like Nok, but like I, I joined Nokia like two thousand and I think it was two thousand eight. I think I joined, and then like two weeks later, the iPhone came out. <laughs> wow, and that was a that was a painful realization. But yeah, but, but what a tr- what a trip. Yeah, yeah, it's been what a, a transformation. I mean, it's been crazy. I got to see like uh, after I joined Nokia, it was the good old days of Nokia. So like I had about two months of like, uh, you know, uh, traveling expenses, like a top five brand in the world and everybody knowing who you are. And then when the tough times hit, well, and then the jobs, then the job, that's when actually, so I think the foundations of people analytics that we can see today, at least for us, that's when it started because it, it was all about, okay, uh, how do we, how do we make the numbers add up? How do we make it make, how do we, how do we make critical decisions? How do we prioritize? How do we figure out which traits and attributes are the ones we need to evolve and survive? So it was, a. Uh, yeah, it was intense both on both ends of it. Hmm? Interesting. So um, in your bio, uh, you mentioned that you believe that people and people don't think as much as they think they think. I, I, you know, I, 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 I like that. I, I kind of got stuck to it uh, and find it fascinating. I just uh, recently actually read a report about reflection mm-hmm. and article uh, and an, also an article said uh, lost of art reflection mm-hmm. and both of them talk about actually where you what you're uh, what you're talking about here so uh, i just want to hear you know elaborate a little bit oh, so there's two, i mean there's two or three angles to it that i that i usually take that i mean the first one is is in your day to day like in everybody's day to day uh there's a million different decisions that you don't technically make but you think that you're making so when you for example if you drive to work for a commute you decide to change lanes or overtake or undertake there's actually nothing um if you slow down that process and try and work out where you made the decision there's not a place where you've actually made the decision you're you're fundamentally following a high level decision to get to work fast or slow or comfort or however um 
so there's there's that sort of like uh, micro action that seems to be at least to me when we talk because it, it happens in interviews as well. Whenever you whenever you interview a guy and you ask them about who they are and what they're good at, they tell you the story that they've been sort of thinking about telling, but they don't often listen to the question or answer the question. So I think a lot of a, a lot of human behavior comes basically pre-programmed. Mm. And you mentioned it yourself on the stage where we were talking about data and there's, there's mil- loads and loads of data these days. And yet yeah. somehow we, we seem to lose what, what is kind of truth and what is that sort of bigger, I don't know, story. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's part of that. Interesting. Interesting. Because that's something I've been thinking about for, again, I read these reports and they're amazing. You should definitely read it. It's about how much, how, and, and it's, it's another part angle of that, that we actually reflect less and less because mm. of, of our way of living. So... <clears throat> Uh, in in general, you talk about analytics-driven cult- cultural cohesion, mm. and and just you know, tell me what 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 do you mean? <laughs> it sounds so it's really corporate. It sounds it's cla- so hard. like it's no, crazy. It's, it's co- crazy corporate. Yeah, yeah, but I thought that <laughs> no, it's, it, it sounds very huge, and uh, I wanted want you to break it down it, for me. It, it is, and actually, it's one of the reasons why I invited a, a, my. A brilliant colleague with me today, which is that. So I've done I've done similar kind of discussions about cohesion and analytics, roughly. So a lot of the literature around engagement. Uh, we found uh, under scrutiny doesn't really kind of add up. So we think it's like emotional commitment and loyalty and and, and intent to stay even. Um, first of all, a lot of the time it's not in the sole power of the person that you're asking. So if, for example, are you going to stay with the company? That actually depends on how tradable you are or in the marketplace. Um, are you emotionally committed? Well, that also depends on are you honest with us and all this other stuff. So in Nokia, we made a, a little bit of a conscious choice after a large scale acquisition to not focus so much on this engagement part, but just to say, okay, can you guys like work together? Can you, can you, can you, can you cohesively come to a solution so that we can get forward like as one company? And in, in, in a sense, we're, we're asking the same kinds of things that you'd figure out in engagement. So we're asking about building trust and resolving conflict, but we're trying to focus on a kind of practical outcome, which is that like, can you guys can sort of get around it? And what we do with data is we just try to make sure that people understand in the instances where for example, they can't collaborate or we can't resolve problems, that tends to come out down the pipe in front of the customer. That tends to come out in quality. That tends to come out in a million different other metrics. Because the the, the funny feedback that we always get, like on, on Yammer, when you put out the questions, is like, this question is terrible. What if, yeah. I, what if I say that I'm happy with the quality standards that I put out, but the quality standards are terrible? You don't learn anything. And my response is always, well, the point isn't to figure out if you think it's good. The point is to figure out how good you think it is compared to what the customer thinks. Because if you think it's good and the customer thinks it's bad, we got a huge problem. That's priority like number one. So uh, analytics-driven cultural cohesion is basically trying to put together a framework for comparison in the real world. Okay. It's actually, you know, I'm, I'm falling off my chair now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not literally, but in my mind, because it's really interesting. I have, I have had the same view when it comes to measuring engagement, because, you know, most of the engagement measurements that are done today are kind of a bogus in my mm. view, because they look at, how oh, do you want to stay? Do you recommend our company? And that is not engagement. That's not passion. It's mm. not if I do a great job, if I'm going to stand. It's about intent again. And if I, and I think you put it, perfectly how hot am i on the market actually so 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 it it doesn't really say if if i will be here if i go to the work with butterflies in my stomach Mm. or 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 what so yeah so the first i think the first time this would have been about 2013 maybe 14 we asked would you recommend us to a friend 
Oh, working I hate here, that right? question. Right? Yeah. You know, so we took the guys. It's good, but. The guys, no, the guys that really agreed, we took them and put them into a group and then gave yeah. them a qualitative test. And we just said one question, right? Which yeah. is, uh, you'll see later. Um, uh, we just asked, okay, how? How would you recommend us? Yeah. And the sort of blank expression on people's yeah. face was like, was it was a huge wake up call. It was like, well, of course, actually, recommending to a friend depends on the person, the job. Yeah the environment, their personal situation, their financial needs, yes. like the, the general condition of the conversation, how drunk you are when you're talking to the guy, right? That's a good, like, that's a good that's, input. That's, like if you think about a key driver or a yeah. predictor, being incredibly drunk when you talk about a job opportunity, that's one of the biggest key predictors you can get. <laughs> and it, like, I know that sounds like um, ludicrous, but it's human behavior wise, it's actually true. Yeah. The conditions under which somebody would actually just proactively say, hey, by the way, have you ever thought about coming to work for this company? They're really small. Yeah. It, it doesn't happen so frequently. And so- yeah. And and and, and, I, and on that question, I mean, why I I mean, hate is a big word, but what I what I feel uh, my animosity against it is that I could still like a company mm. because I work at Spotify or a nice brand, uh, and I could talk well about it. It doesn't mean I will recommend it to my best friend to start working there. It's two different, totally separate things. I've got two. Yeah, I've got two two thoughts on that. Give one. it to me. Right. The first the first one is uh, every study of employment that's done at Google is a, is positive, and that's because working at Google is, I'd imagine, amazing. Right. Yeah. So of course everything works. I want to work at Google. But then this, if you hear this, exactly. Uh, yeah, me too. By the way, I mean, uh, no, <laughs> no, wait, no, wait, no comment. Mark, oh, yeah. Mark does, exactly. the, the, his feelings are not representative of Nokia Corporation. Uh, number two uh, is that back to what I said earlier about people not thinking as much as they think they think. Yeah. How many HRs go out and buy solutions that have a label on? It says this is the thing that defines loyalty or this is the thing that defines emotional commitment or this is the thing that defines like longevity in your workforce mm. those things are human mm. there, there, there's not a you can do that you can get there with a with a with a, a, a qualitative interview you can build trust and you can build that relationship so people will give you the truth but if you just ask them a question mm. yeah all right so um in nokia you're using then uh, you've been there for 10 years no 10 years? Yeah. Just over, yes. Yeah, all right. And you use uh, analytics to drive employee satisfaction, engagement, and culture cohesion. And so how do you practically, give me uh, some uh, practical how you do it. Uh, Have you set up your own platform and you do the questions and da, 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 da. Can I talk about the, so the, the companies and the tools that we use? Do you want to, do you want to know the technologies or? Uh, well, if it's, uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'm well, just uh, curious. It doesn't have to be exactly. Okay. We switched from a vendor approach to, to, to compartmentalizing what we do. So we, okay. we took a tool specific for surveying. We took a tool, a tool specific for data modeling and statistical testing. Okay. And then we took a tool specific for visualization. Oh, that and, sounds interesting. I want to know. Which which ones did you take? So my my visualization <laughs> my visualization tool is is of preference is Tableau. We're okay. switching to Power BI. Okay, I like Power BI though. I like I like Power BI Power BI because of its uh, scalability. Yeah. Uh, but uh, artistically, like aesthetically, I, I prefer Tableau. It's just a nicer uh, experience. Mm, I agree on that. <laughs> for the for the data modeling and stats, we stuck with SPSS Modeler, uh, okay. which is just a hardcore data work data analyst yeah. workbench. And then for the collection, we use Qualtrics. Uh, sorry. Qualtrics. Qualtrics. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So oh, interesting. And and how do you do it? 
So do you send out the questions every day, every month, every and what kind of a questions? I'm curious. So we run. So we run. Uh, there's a. There's a. We have a standard cadence for the for the large. We still have a census survey, which uh, we're not a fan of because it's a great deal of a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, we also do pulses. So we've, we've got we have a set out. We've got a pilot at the moment with pulses. And the cool thing about the pulse that we're currently trialing is that the data that we collect from the survey we give to every employee. Mm. So we don't give it to managers to try and manage their teams to make people happier. We just allow everybody to access the feedback that they gave us. And that's part that's partly about that's that's partly about driving cohesion, right? So that everybody yeah. can see the world in the same way, understand the world in the same way, mm. and then take action if they if they need to or if they're close to a specific issue. Mm. Um in addition to that, we we run like a lot of uh I would say not ad hoc, uh coordinated surveys inside an environment of about 20 to 25 surveyors mm-hmm. and we focus on things like uh, decision making and efficiency and mm-hmm. we don't do the for those kind of specific things we don't do uh like the broad scale questions because if you ask like wisdom of the crowd like how do you make decisions yeah 90% of the decision making you get is not the stuff that you really want to focus on yeah. so we target uh specific um specific surveys about around specific parts of the company where we can really make an impact so we have like a a broad scale census some pulsing and then uh targeted targeted uh, initiatives and you you do this how do you have a team or is it you doing it actually i mean yeah so we, uh, there's a there's a guy the, one guy that i work with called jim whiting who's like okay. an absolute um guru genius okay. at, at, at survey building he's, he's a, an awesome guy apart from that we work with then just a network of what we call like sort of like a liaison okay. so we, it's half and half they work with us to try and help us coordinate with different business groups or different functions mm-hmm. um but we build up it's a kind of a loose network and, and it needs to be loose because you can't push out all the time like if you push out all the time and try want to learn to your own agenda, you stop. You start losing like uh, commitment from the guys who, yeah. who you're working with, and they need their own pet projects and they need their own specific bespoke stuff. So we let them do that, that yeah. while also pushing, you know, some of the things that we want to learn about. Okay. So uh, you also talk about changing the game where you see where you see three areas of disruption. Uh, what are they? So the, those three areas were kind of specific, and we've sort of already already talked about. It. So Nokia went through a huge uh, disruption, like a crisis, basically in 2014-15. So we uh, sold out the devices and services business. We bought out Siemens from the NSN network infrastructure business, and then after that, pretty much straight away, we we started to invest in Alcatel Lucent, and we acquired those. Which means we went from a, a company that everybody knew with about thirty-five thousand employees to a company that nobody knew. <laughs> With a hundred thousand, yeah. which like really, which, t- which, which is a huge thing, which was like a huge transformation program. Then we had that crisis of of the uh, of the of the theory of the of academia, which was that we, engagement wasn't engagement, commitment wasn't commitment. And then the third thing was this tooling part, which was that when we worked with vendors, when we worked with guys to give us like answers, we weren't getting access to a lot of the data. We we couldn't answer specific questions or detailed questions. We couldn't test the hypotheses. Mm-hmm. We couldn't test the conclusions. So those three things, it was kind of like a. a, th- a set a three like kind of it's almost like a perfect storm like we just mm-hmm. knew at the end of those three crises or in the middle of them we just we just knew we had to to do this react and and, and adapt and just change fundamentally what we were doing all right all right um i also heard you mentioning to use paranoid optimism to lead through closer changes uh, i mean Again, how? So, is this? I, I think you mentioned it, maybe, but but. So, paranoid optimism isn't my is is uh, Risto Silas man. Oh, okay. So he wrote the he wrote the book on transforming Nokia, and okay. paranoid optimism is uh, you have it's kind of like it's a little bit like uh, trust but verify, right? So it's like be hopeful for the future, 
but be paranoid in the details that, that, that in the technology that you build, I be skeptical enough of what you, what you're building on top of. So, so that you can maintain hope. But the book is brilliant. The book, uh, Risto Silasma's book is a, uh, it's a perfect document of the, the, well, it's a perfect document of, mo- of transitioning modern leadership. So there was a, like a lot of old school leaders at the time, and there's a lot of really cool anecdotes about certain interpersonal behavior that went on at Nokia. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anybody that listens to this to to read the book and check out page 313. Because <laughs> I'm in it for a tiny were, paragraph or a tiny paragraph. Uh, we did some work on, on the relationship between machine, machine learning and engagement. And uh, that's, we take up one paragraph in his book. All right. All right. All right. Sounds great. So I, I think I like have tons of questions for you actually right now, because great. it has been a really good conversation. Um, and and I, I've been learning a few things now. Uh, and I thought I, I know everything. So <laughs> we didn't, we didn't, just kidding. We didn't even get close to the big stuff. I know, I know, I know. So, uh, but let's like uh, I I hope to actually maybe have you back on the show, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and continue to talk about uh, these issues. Maybe even go deeper uh, to understand more of the fundamentals and basics of, of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, there's we've so the yeah the show that we're about to go put on uh, here with uh, my colleague Phil Mercy. We've done we've expanded a great deal of like let's say depth of understanding about uh, perceptions and their. Oh, interconnectedness, their interdependencies and their relatedness. So there's a bunch of statistical things that you can do to kind of like quieten out a lot of the noise, let's say, around perceptions that are both employee and customer. And we've got a very a fairly robust body of work in the in this sort of space. So mm-hmm. thank you. All uh, right. Uh, I'm always happy to talk. Yeah. As you can tell. Yeah, I talk yeah, absolutely. Too, you, you you do it good greatly. Uh thank you for for your time and thank you for being here. And again, hope to have you back. Thanks. Thanks. My favorite author, existence precedes essence. Think about it for a second. Existence precedes essence. First we exist, and then we can define ourselves by action. Without action, we are just broken dreams.